Smarties, today we're back at it with another on-air coaching call. The response we've gotten regarding our on-air coaching calls has been overwhelming to us, and if you want to apply to join us on the podcast, please email us at Rachel and Steph at LearnSmarterPodcast.com. Today, we welcome Evelise Ramos to the podcast. Evelise is the mom of Javier, 8, and Jaden, 5. Today, we are diving into Javier's academic experience as a learner. You'll hear us talk about Evelise and her relationship with her son's school and how we coach her not to focus entirely on the grades her son is receiving. Then we dive into some very specific reading comprehension and word problem strategies to help her son continue to thrive. Javier has made amazing progress in the last six months, and we feel honored that Evelise joined us on the podcast. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 44 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Rachel Cap, And I'm Stephanie Pitts. Today on the podcast, we are welcoming Evelise Ramos. Welcome, Evelise. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're Yay. excited to have you here. So after our first on-air coaching call, you emailed us within, I think, like <laughs> a couple of hours. A couple of hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Steph and I were overwhelmed. We're like, oh, people like the on-air coaching calls. <laughs> and so we're excited to welcome you. First of all, we were talking a little bit. We had some technical difficulties, so thanks for hanging with us. But we were talking a little bit before we got on air, kind of how you found the podcast. So I'd love for you to share that story again. Sure. So just researching, I got into iTunes and just kind of checked out what was out there for even teachers so that I can kind of learn from them. And then I landed on your guys' um, podcast and absolutely loved it. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. You were going to so compliment much. us. Before, and I said, yes. hold on, wait until we record. Yes. So for the first time ever, I've actually seen my son smiling when he's doing his learning activities with me and it's because I felt like you guys have made that easier for him and that is such an amazing feeling for me as a mom um for his father he it's it's just awesome now to just see him smile and ready to learn that's really exciting what strategies yeah. specifically I'm curious now I'm just pushing for <laughs> the compliment but I am curious like what strategies because I have to tell you Steph and I record these episodes and then in our day-to-day -day lives, people will reference them to us. It's yeah. gone. I, yeah. I don't yeah. always remember because we write everything down. And once it's written down, we do what we always preach, which is release it from our memory, right? Right, Anything right. Anything that can be written down should be written down. So I'm curious which strategies have been really helpful for your family. Because I think it might help people who haven't listened to that same episodes necessarily. Yeah. Absolutely. So with the reading and comprehension, uh -huh. um, we've been doing the sticky notes. So kind of oh, the yeah. that has been a game changer for him. He that it's so much easier for him to comprehend. He's able to say, oh, wait, that's a character and he'll write it on the who. And it's just so much fun for him. Um, for multiplication, we use like the counting with the fingers. I actually did the tape. I saw that on your Instagram. So go <laughs> Instagram as well. <laughs> I have that therapy. <laughs> yes. Um, and I, he's like, Mom, this feels weird. But he was able to capture that within seconds. And he's able to do his multiplication now. Yes. So. so the two strategies, Steph, do you want to talk a little bit about that reading comprehension? We love that. 
the sticky notes yeah. are a game changer. But Steph, I believe that was your episode. We will link these two. Con- I believe it was in the reading comprehension episode. And then math is the four letter word episode, which I still yes. love that title so much. Um, but Steph, <laughs> do you want to go ahead and say what yeah. that reading comp strategy is? So the reading comp strategy is actually at the I do this with one student in every session. Basically, we read a book, we read a chapter. And at the end of the chapter, I we put sticky notes and he has to do a couple of things. So the strategy is he has to draw a picture on a post-it Visualize about what it. happened. Mm-hmm. So that's his visualization. Then he has to write on a post-it different things. Now, he's on his third book with me and it the post-it has evolved. Totally. So it was who, what, where, when, I think at the beginning. Yeah, that's a lot and at then the beginning. It, Right. And then it turned into who, where, prediction, and favorite moment. Yep. And then it now has evolved to who, what, where, and a two-sentence summary. I like it. If you just went online and looked up reading comprehension questions, you can adapt those questions. We don't recommend usually more than three or four for each section, depending on how much your student can manage. A question that I love, I love the prediction. I also like asking students, how do you connect with something that happened in the story? Story. What does it remind you about in your own life? Making mm-hmm. those real world connections is really, really helpful for reading comprehension because Whenever we can connect with a person in real life, we remember that interaction. So students remember those interactions as well. Yeah. And, you know, I want to add that when I first started doing it with a student, he would just write a one word answer. Now all of his answers have to be a sentence with proper period capitalization. Oh, you so we, <laughs> One of his goals is writing. So, you know, it's one of those things where I'm working it in and he's so engrossed in this book, this set of books that for his age group which you know might be really it's it's called trapped in a video game and it's you know for eight to ten year old boys basically and they're fantastic and he just he wants to read all the time and at first it was we'll get into this a little bit more Evelise, but mm-hmm. at first it was he would read a paragraph i would read a paragraph then it became he would read a page i would read a page most recently even this week, he reads a chapter, I read a chapter. Mm. And we have just built upon that. Is he reading independently of you? Does he come in having read or is this a book you're exclusively reading in session? Exclusively in session. I'm the one that owns the book and Mm. all the post-its are in there from all the previous chapters that he's done. And um, he reads other books on his own, but this is the one that we work on together. Got it. And then the thing that I wanted to add is we will link... The two episodes that we're talking about, the math episode and the reading comp episode, and I will maybe, I don't know how to do this to find my Instagram post that Evelise was. Oh, I can do that. Okay, so Steph will go ahead and find that Instagram post about skip counting um, in the show notes. I'll also, well, I say I, but really Steph will add in the Trapped in a Video Game book link as well. Yes. The skip counting, so if I'm understanding correctly and I think I remember the Instagram post where a student had labeled their fingers one through ten is that what you're yeah. talking about Evelise? Yeah. and um and so we often teach multiplication facts through song and just go on YouTube search skip counting you don't need to teach one twos fives or tens 
all students know those generally. Um, but threes, fours, six, seven, eights, and nines generally need to be taught. And we teach it through using their fingers. So every time you say, I mean, Steph, do you want to sing the three songs with me? Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, but yours is different than mine. I don't think so. I think we use the same three song. You want me to sing it? Yeah, go. Okay. I wish people could see because I'll hold up my fingers. <laughs> and you always start left to right because it matters in the nines, in the nines trick. But it goes three, six, nine, 12, 15, and 18, 21, 24, 27, then comes 30. Do you not do that one? No. Which one do I you do? I wish my son was here. He would have done it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which one do you do, Steph? Three, six, nine, 12. 15, 18, 21, 24, 27, count it out to 30. I can't believe I just sang on the podcast, you guys, against everything I have ever said I would do. I won't even do karaoke, and I just sang, guys. Oh, my. Hold on. We went to Brene Brown last night, and she spoke about living fully and wholeheartedly, and that was taking it on and being vulnerable and living. Way to go, Steph. Way to go. (laughs) Um, But we will definitely link those two things. But that's awesome. I love that to hear that that's helped. So Evelise, tell us a little bit about your family and why you reached out to us. Sure. So I've been married for 10 years now, and we have two little boys. My youngest is five, and his name is Jaden. And my oldest is Javier, and he is eight years old. Um, So I kind of reached out to you because I am desperate for help. (laughs) I am always advocating for my son and just really looking for a successful education for him. And not only for his education, but for his future, because I want him to be set for his future. He started kindergarten at the age of four. Um, I thought he was ready for it. I saw him and I was like, oh, he's going to do great in school. And we put him in at four years old. And when we went to open house, his teacher was saying how kids are doing great, but there's some kids that are struggling. And she looked right at me. Oh. And that's when I was like, oh, no, my, my son is struggling. I know it. I know it. So my husband pulled her aside and she's like, hey, I know this is open house, but I just want to know, is he doing okay? And she just looked at us and said, he, he's a sweet boy. And that was wow. it. Oh, yeah. so <laughs> One of the things that Steph and I come up with ideas all the time and we text them to each other or tell each other. And then we're like, that's a great idea for like future Rachel and future Steph. One of the things I said to her in the last week and a half was like, you know, there's an art to talking to parents about their kids. And there's a way to, to have difficult conversations with parents without leaving them feeling the way you left in that conversation. Okay, so continue on. Kind of tell us a little bit more about his journey. Sure. So then that's when I became concerned and I reached out and I said, hey, I need a meeting with you. We met and she just told me he was struggling. He didn't know his ABCs. He couldn't count up to 10. I'm like, well, that's weird because at home he does it with me. You know, could there be something? I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's the underlying issue with him. But he just struggled. He, they did interventions and there was no improvement, very, very little. Mm. Um, so he went on to first grade, still no improvement, went on to the second grade. And there we actually did meet the special education teacher, which I, I do adore her. She was genuinely there for him. Mm-hmm. I felt like she really cared. But it was still 
very hard. That's when they said that he had ADHD. And so we talked a little bit about this, that the school came and told you that diagnosis. So that's a medical diagnosis, right? It's not a learning diagnosis. It's not the purview of the school. And we asked you before we got on air, are there signs of ADHD? And most parents are looking for signs like my kid can't sit, they're, they're bouncing off the walls, the hyperactivity kind. And, but you even said, not only does he not have that, he's able to sit and focus and pay attention, even when it's things of not high interest, right? Correct. Correct. Yes. So how are you able to understand or conceive of that comment? Like, what do you think the teachers were seeing that led them to say this to you? I think part of Javier's problem is his self-confidence. There was lack of self-confidence. And to him, not trying was easier for him. It's for a lot of kids. Right. And seeing other kids can do it versus he can't, you know, it's intimidating for a child. Is he physically smaller than his peers? He is. Okay. And he's also the youngest, too, because he started off younger. Yeah. And how about socially? Oh, he's very social. Okay. Social, um, loves physical activities, but lack of confidence when it comes to education. I was thinking that when you said to us he was able to count and do these things with letters at home, but he wasn't performing in school, generally, there's something about the dynamic in the classroom that's overwhelming to students. He was young, and mm-hmm. it usually is heavily linked up to confidence, but I wanted to say one thing because I felt like when you were telling us about sending him at four years old to kindergarten and you thinking he was ready, it Mm -hmm. felt like you were feeling upset and maybe a little upset with yourself about Mm -hmm. that decision. Definitely. Every parent makes the best decision that they can at the moment. Yeah. You made the best decision for your son that you could have, you thought it was the responsible thing that it would be the right doing right by him. You would never put him in a situation that would make things intentionally difficult. So I just want you to have compassion for that mommy that you were, you made the best decision that you could with him. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Because it's, I, we hear that a lot from families calling that the parents feel like they made the wrong decision. There's no handbook doesn't matter mm-hmm. how many kids you have because each kid requires something very different. And parenting is entirely improv. You're improvising right. everything. And you know what? I want to add, if you had start, if you had waited a year and started him at five, this situation might still be the case. A hundred percent. We can't sit there and blame it on age. Yeah, he'd be a little bit bigger, but that doesn't mean that the confidence would have all of a sudden be there. Sometimes it is, but a lot of times it still isn't. And it's just part of his personality. And that's okay. So the fact that you're helping him outside and mm-hmm. working with him on loving learning. And yeah. seeing that he can be successful at it. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. And then with the school, he had mentioned one time um, that he was working because he wanted to go to recess. So he was rushing because the teacher said, if you don't finish, you don't go to recess. Oh. So she said, pencils down. He still had a couple problems. He didn't put that pencil down. She came up to him and ripped the paper in front of him. Okay, so he's had a couple of interactions with teachers that make him maybe feel that were a little bit traumatic. Yeah, Yeah. it's not okay to be vulnerable when when teachers teachers are so powerful. And I and I'm not coming out this and saying this is a bad teacher. 
because you know what? I've had bad days being a teacher because I'm human. But teachers are so impressionable on how students, sometimes even more powerful than parents, because Mm -hmm. kids understand, like, my mom has to love me. My teacher doesn't. Right. Okay. So he's had a couple of interactions that have left him feeling a little, and especially if he's bright, he's going to hold on to these memories. Yes, absolutely. So then they wanted to put him in the IEP program. Okay. At first, I was a little hesitant because I wasn't sure is this going to be a good decision for me to make, but um, the school did end up convincing me. They diagnosed him with visual processing. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of evidence, though, again, from okay. the school. I remember the IEP meeting, the lady in the committee said, you know, he's not even eligible for an IEP. Yeah. His, he doesn't even meet the standards, but... Mm because the school really wanted it. And I thought at the moment, this is going to help them. I, I don't know what else to do. We fought for it and he did get the IEP program. Okay. And how was that experience once he was in the program? Mm, nothing changed. <laughs> yeah, okay. unfortunately, yeah, nothing yeah. changed. And that was last year, last school year? That was last school year. Yeah, um, okay. So now, fast forwarding, um, we ended up moving and I thought, Oh, new district, new school, new opportunity. So I reached out to the school. I kind of told them what was going on. And I had asked if they could retain him in second grade. I know there's a lot of different opinions on that as well. But I kind of felt like maybe another year in second grade will put him at least close to where he needs to be at instead of just continuing pushing him right along. Yeah. They they didn't. They said, just have faith in us. He'll be fine. And he, yeah, he went in. Awesome. And he is struggling, but I also put him in Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu, and his confidence level went from zero to a hundred. Amazing. Never. Yes, I have never seen him just so proud of himself, and oh, it's a whole different child. And I am actually seeing improvement, but now the issue is it's not good enough for the school. If you could have maybe the top two goals that you have as his mom and then what are maybe the top two goals that the school has for him I would say both are kind of for the school I would say they kind of want a hundred and everything that's how I see it like okay where is he right now so in reading he is second grade level now he moved up four reading levels already okay so he's yeah he didn't get graded for that. He got a one, which is not meeting the requirements. In math, yeah, yeah, in math, he is able to get um, a ninety-seven percent if he's adding and subtracting using his fingers. Without his fingers, he can get a seventy-seven percent. But they want him to get a hundred percent without fingers before moving him up to the next level. Without fingers, correct. Okay, have them listen to our episode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't understand that. So I have a lot of feelings about report cards because here's the thing. They don't really – they're only doing mastery of some of these things, right? They're not talking about progress. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he's gone up four reading levels I think is tremendous. I couldn't agree more. We've talked about this before on the podcast about how – 
report cards and school in general are really testing a lot of like executive functioning and really testing confidence sometimes, right? So if he's sitting there being tested in front of a teacher, he's probably nervous, right? And he might be able to actually do it. But right now he needs these, you know, safeguards of like using his fingers. And and the thing is, is I really, I have another kid in my practice. The parents are having the same exact problem and feeling like the report cards that are coming out are horrible and they're concerned and whatnot. But it sounds to me like he is not stagnant. He's making progress. Agreed. And if he's making progress, he will continue to make progress and that that should really be where your focus is, not so much on what the school thinks is appropriate, because we have to take into account he's being compared to kids that are older than him. He's at a new school. So my guess yep. is his primary focus is trying to manage things socially, which yep. is totally understandable Hard. and appropriate. And so what would happen? I'm sorry, Steph, go ahead. No, it's okay. Go ahead. I was I was just, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, sometimes the discrepancy between what parents see and want and know about their child and what teachers see and know and want about their child. Because the truth is, is that both are true. Mm-hmm. And what would happen if you kind of did an informal assessment at home with him, Evelise, where you just oh, kind of record idea. him doing the standard? That's a really good idea. I don't know if they are would accept it necessarily, but at least to show them that Mm -hmm. you can do it, to show him that he can do it. I'm emailing this to your teachers. You are awesome. And I would spend a lot more focus on that piece of it. I would never show him the report card. Right. Yeah. Never, 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 never. Even when he gets older, don't show him the report card because honestly, especially with a little guy Mm -hmm. that is a little bit more sensitive and has some confidence stuff that he's working on. You want him to continue to think that he's a rock star learner as long as possible. Absolutely. So with him right now, it sounds like to me, I personally wouldn't be very concerned with the report card okay. and what the school That's says. That's good to know. <laughs> at all. Because you know in your gut he's improving and he's starting to love things. Like you said, he's proud of himself. And really like Rachel and I always say, we're really think that the biggest thing is to foster the love of learning. And if he can continue to love learning, he's going to continue to grow Mm -hmm. even as an adult. So that's the most important thing. And sometimes meeting these standards have kids losing that love of learning. And that is not what you want at all. So I would say kind of, if you can throw what the school is saying aside a little bit. (laughs) And also understand that the question that was being asked on that report card, is he meeting expectations? Well, no, he's not meeting the school's Mm -hmm. expectations right now, but he will. The school isn't asking to measure effort on that particular standard. And growth. Which is what you're looking at. And it's your job to kind of frame that for him that, oh, my God, this progress is amazing. Every time he moves up a reading level, he gets to do something special or there's a party yeah. or whatever. His, whatever we always celebrate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's the most important thing, especially when you're saying he's he's yeah. starting to enjoy some things differently. 
than he was before, that's that is really honestly the most important thing because like I said before, you've seen this growth and he's, he's going to continue to grow. As we're talking, I'm thinking we should name this episode Grades Aren't Everything. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I got actually a letter from the principal and it said that you're child is not meeting the standards and this will affect him in the future and i wish i had it in front of me but it said something he won't be college ready or successful in life I how can they possibly yeah, no i will send it to you I <laughs> oh my gosh yes. that is so yes developmentally inappropriate to go that far down the road we have no prediction of who he's going to be three months from now, let alone eight, I like let 10 the years principal from know. I was offended as a parent. I was offended for him. Oh, yes. And I told her, I was like, there's no test that will ever measure the success my son will have. Because he'll have the success. Yes. And how did how did she respond to it? I'm just curious how the principal responded. She apologized um, and she hear me out. And then the next letter I got did not have that information on there because I told her you should remove that from every letter because if I felt this way, that means other parents are feeling the same way. Of course, it's a little um, disconnected. Yeah, and aggressive. aggressive for no yeah. reason. Yeah. Because, you know, it, that's not fostering what we want to foster instead of helping. Like we always talk about in educational therapy, we're helping the kids hold themselves up. And exactly. by saying that, you're just pushing them down. It makes me wonder what they're telling the students too, you know? So. Yeah. I, I wonder when it's, when it's this type of school system that's a public school system, even in the private school or not for profit school systems, how much of this stuff is really automated and standardized versus how much is individualized to your particular student. I think, I think it's safe to assume that nobody sat down and wrote this letter, that it was mm -hmm. printed off pretty quickly without, yeah. without much thought of, okay, this is happening with the right. student, so we have to send this letter. I think this happened and that happened. And so when we get these letters, it's not too completely – don't throw the baby out with the bathwater here, but – the certain things are just not reasonable. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So how is your relationship with your son's teacher? So uh, we communicate weekly. I made it that every Friday she needs to send me the goals that they're working on because I okay. hate when we make goals and they're just floating around in the air. I need deadlines. If it wasn't met, yes. why wasn't it met? And how are we going to do it differently? And how can I help? Because I'm contributing mm -hmm. too. My husband's contributing. It's a team effort. Yeah. So we do have a communication. Um, but again, when I kind of tell her like the sticky notes, like, hey, this works for her. She's like, well, we have this and this is what we're working on. And that's not on his IEP, but I'll mark it down. And I'm just like, that's not going to bring him the success that he needs and the help that he needs. That's not flexible. But sometimes teachers aren't, and that's just the reality of the situation. And that's when I would have the conversation with your son and say, teachers show you just one way of doing things. And if you know something, and if you like doing these, I will send you with sticky notes. I cannot imagine a teacher seeing a student engaged with his reading during reading time 
taking notes on what he's reading and stopping him because it's not the system she wants. Right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Does he, do they read a book? Uh, does he listen to a book aloud or do they have like SSR where they're li- reading to themselves? So they do read to themselves and then they also do small reading groups. So both ways. Okay. So is he able to bring those books home? Yes. Okay. So what I would suggest is taking post-its and pre-writing everything in there and putting it at the end of chapters for him. And he can also be ahead of his peers. He does not need to be at the same point in the story that everybody else. He can't spoil it, but it's something we often, for his friends, obviously, but it's something we often talk about is if you pre-read this information with him and have him read the chapter he's going to read in school in a couple of days, it doesn't hurt for him to read it twice either yeah so i agree about prepping those sticky notes so that he's good to go for sure okay evelise what other questions do you have i want to encourage this relationship that you have with the teacher i love that you hold her accountable to the goals just throwing it out there just a reminder if in a couple of months when they start looking at what teachers to give to your son next year, I would put that in his IEP Mm -hmm. that it needs to be a teacher that is a little bit more flexible Mm -hmm. and can work with his learning profile because the, the school knows who can do that and who can't. Right. And so I think that's, unless you ask for it, they're just going to assign you whomever. So you've got to go in and and you sound like a go-getter. So it it sounds like if you go in there and demand that it's a good teacher, if he has a good connection with his teacher, the milestones that he can achieve will be far greater. Yes. And the other thing that I'm thinking about is we often talk about the leap from second grade to third grade as being huge. Yeah. That is a huge leap for students. The same when you go from elementary to middle school. That's another area where it's a huge leap. The reason it's a huge leap from second to third grade, and this is for a student who's in the same school going from second to third, it can be totally harder for a student switching schools in that particular year, is because in first and second grade, you're really learning to read. And by third grade, the expectation is you're reading to learn. And so that places a huge demand on the learner. And it doesn't sound like he's a hot mess. No, he's such a good kid. That Yeah, it doesn't sound yeah. like he's floundering. Yeah. Really. I, I was going to say that much, but it doesn't really sound like he's floundering at all. Steph, what do you think? No. I wanted to ask you, when he reads aloud, does he read aloud to you? Yes. Okay. And how is his decoding, meaning breaking down the words and pronouncing them correctly? So that's where he struggles, the decoding and being able to blend. Like he's still will look at a word and go at instead of at cat yes. put it together yes. so he, he does struggle in that aspect okay so here's what i would suggest i would suggest because i know one of the things that you talked about wanting to work on is comprehension correct i would suggest you he reads to you a, a little portion of a book that's at his reading level or he reads to himself or whatever, but probably allowed to you so you can help with working on the sounds a little bit more. But for comprehension, I would suggest you read a book that's at his age-appropriate level. Mm-hmm. Read it as a family. Your younger son can listen to, and you guys can talk about 
and you know he doesn't necessarily have to do the post-its and whatnot Mm -hmm. but you guys can talk about those things in as a family discussion what do you think is going to happen next how did that make you feel when that happened has that ever happened to you have you ever been in that situation what would you do if you were him or her things like that or do you have a friend that's just like that or um you know things like that making connections to the age appropriate book and this yeah that's and the story that is age appropriate and this is going to be good for your younger son too to level up it also yeah. helps with story structure sentence structure vocabulary among other things what i want to add to this is i was having the exact same so- thought the reason that Steph is making this recommendation is because when students are a little bit below grade level in reading with this kind of like one year below step below, it's not that big of a deal. But when they, when there's a gap between their reading ability and their chronological chronological age and interests, the stories become too young for students and they become too babyish because we don't write student. We don't write stories for a kid who's developmentally in third grade but reading at a second or first grade level does that make sense absolutely so you still want to give him the stories that are age appropriate that are going to be funny and engaging for him that are going to present vocabulary to him that you want him to know that you don't want him to be cut off from just because he can't decode on his own right Oh, I was going to just ask one more question so with his IEP does he get pulled out for reading support he does for 15 minutes a week. So it's 15 minutes every three days. And that's for math as well, which I did ask for more. Is it a group or individual? Individual one-on-one, but according to the school, there's not enough help. So that's another. That's probably true. I've, I mean, we're in Los Angeles. And so I know that that's absolutely a problem here. It's one of the reasons teachers went on strike because we give accommodations and we give this one-on-one time and literally the interventionist can't figure out how to get that time in. And that's on the school to figure out. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know how you do anything in 15 minutes. Right. So what I'm wondering is, and Steph, tell me what you think about this. Mm-hmm. Would you tell her to give up the 15 minutes one-on-one if he gets a half hour in a group, in a small group, no bigger than three? Uh, probably. It, it, that's probably a good idea. Small groups do work really well with learning how to read, yeah. um, but but not, I mean, less than three kids. The research shows that small group works really well. That being said, he needs to be touching the the words that the blends and the things that he's having trouble with he needs to be touching it daily mm-hmm. so that is going to fall on you or if you can if i don't know if there's a reading specialist in your area mm-hmm. that maybe you know it's an added expense but stuff what about some games she is an involved sure. mom she's an engaged mom yep. do you have games for her I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. So I actually saw another ed therapist posted a game this morning, and it's the 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 reading version of Four Way Countdown. I saw her post that as well. That one looks really that good. That one's a good one. Um, there, I know from my preschool teaching days that there are blend games that you can stack the puzzles together, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be real words either. That's the other thing. You can make it as silly as you want. For sure. Uh, Sightword SWAT 
is a really good one. I'm going to write these down so that we make sure to add them to the show notes as well. The links. I'm not in my office, so it's very hard for me to like think of it. <laughs> we will add some games to the show notes for these for this episode. And Evelise, we'll email you within the next couple of days to give you some Great. ideas of some games. Um, but the more you can do, even if you do targeted word practice, and I'm sure if you did a Google search for targeted word blends, and then mm-hmm. literally I would, and I do this with a lot of students. I posted around the, I have students posted around the house. And like, if you have an active kid, this is really fun for them. Like stick it up on the different walls. He has to go and touch it, say it, run to the next one, touch it, slam it, say it, go to the next one. It's a great idea. I do jumping on it. So one of the things that I do with a lot of kids is um, I have one of those little miniature trampolines in my office. And what I identify are the ones that they don't know. And then I have them, especially with vowel teams, seem to be really hard. Like uh, A-U is pronounced aw. Right. Like August, right? So I have them draw au and then draw something that's going to clue them in to the sound so uh, like a couple of kids put like a calendar for august Mm -hmm. or like summertime stuff and i would literally have them bounce around jumping on the sound and say it at the same time or like throwing a ball at it i would tape it up to the wall um and then i would target practice those kinds of words that you could come up with and making not necessarily actual words but just throwing a letter into like you would put a u and then add a g so it would be aug or a u t ought so that they really practice the sound with other letters and sounds around them and build upon that i'm gonna give another suggestion but evelise i want to remind you we say try one thing at a time yeah okay so we're gonna give you a bunch of different ideas and we've already given you several but i don't want you to get overwhelmed and think you have to do all these things at once. You don't have to do any of them. And he would probably, he would, I can say fairly confidently, this is a kid who's going to be able to like sign and read his own marriage contract when he gets his marriage <laughs> license, when he gets married. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. like, just remember that, that if you did nothing, he's going to be fine too. The other thing that I really like when he is reading a book that is at his reading level. So it's a little bit younger book than his own chronological developmental age and you're having him do it independently if you wanted to sit with him and this is only if you have time one of the things that really works for students is choral reading mm-hmm. so choral reading is when you're both reading it out loud together you slow your reading down it is going to feel insufferable because you can read faster than he can so when you slow your engine down a lot, I guarantee you it will still be faster than him, than his. So what ends up happening is the parent slows down, the kid rises up. Does that make sense? To kind of yep, increase his fluency. And yeah, you're totally cluing him into what's going on. And you're totally probably going to give him hints about things. But that's the whole point. I like that idea. Plus, it's fun, and kids like to do stuff with their parents and yes, and enjoy that. I, I've had it sometimes where it's been hard, f- done something similar also that 
uh, might say a short sentence and then have the kid repeat it in whatever voice they totally. chose. So they're following along and then they're saying it in a funny voice or a, you know, whatever it is. We do accents. My kids really like, I have a lot of really musical kids <laughs> who are amazing at accents and it yeah, cracks that's awesome. me up every time they, cause even when, even when we're learning a new word or if we're doing skip counting in session, I use the power of their voice to my greatest advantage. So whisper it, say it really, really softly. Okay, now shout it. And they're always intimidated. The walls in my building can be thin. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Nobody in this building cares. Go ahead and shout it out loud and shout it out proud. And they do, yes. and they are laughing, and it is fun. And so that's it, a great idea, stuff. I like that, Yeah. But pick a small amount. If you're going to do this targeted word practice, how many words would you have or do at the same time, Steph? Five? Sounds? Yeah. Mm, maybe three. Three sounds out. Three to five. But three targeted words. What are you, What's your vision of how many words are going on at the same time? I would say three sounds, getting them mastered, and then doing the targeted words for those three sounds. Um, and you might start with one sound and just put a bunch of word letters around it and making other words and then build and start with the second one and then have the third one and then start intermixing all of them. Kind of like when we talk uh, about a study plan, right? Mm -hmm. This is figuring out what he knows and what he doesn't know. So what he doesn't know, we start working on it. We review the other things. We start with the next one, review the previous stuff, start with the next one, review the previous stuff, all while you're doing the new stuff. So the more the more exposure that he has to it the better because literally i use one of the things i use are these there's a program called linda mood bell and they have this program called seeing stars and there's a bunch of cards that have different sounds and different words some of them are made up some of them are real and i have the kids we go through and work on some of wherever their need is there's like five different boxes so wherever those, wherever they are, we're working on, we'll go through some of those words during session and, and practice and work on it. But the more exposure he can get to where the things that he doesn't know, along with the things he already does know to make him feel good, right. the better. But like exposing him to too many things at once, it's probably not going to lock in. Like he's not going to remember it. So that's why I say focus and target on a few things that you know he doesn't know. I I feel like um, we're talking at a very high level in terms of, you know, we're talking about consonant blends and vowel digraphs and all these things that are really super academic language. I just did a Google search. I'm going to send it to you. And you can pick and choose. I, my guess is you'd be able to go through and know he knows he would be able to read this word. This is a list he would not be able to read. And you take those words. Yes. Yeah. There's also like sight word lists that you can Google. What sight words does he know and does he not know? And you can practice those because sight words don't follow rules. Right. They don't play fair. They don't play fair. So they you just have to know what it is just by looking at it. You can't sound it out. I'm sure you've come across them when you're reading with him. Oh, yeah. So those are the uh, those are ones he needs to know also. And they don't follow all the rules. And he should know that English does not play fair. Yeah. Is there another language in your house? Yes, Spanish. Okay. So Spanish is a language that plays fair. It does, yeah. 
and so that's uh, that's fantastic for his for his sake it's fantastic for him does he read spanish as well no he does not okay so you guys are just talking okay great yeah all right maybe one day we'll get him reading let's get yeah. him reading in english oh. and then we'll get yeah. him reading <laughs> but is there anything else you want to make sure that you ask us about so um one of the things that the teacher said they graded him a one meaning not meeting the standards was because if the district saw improvement they could remove that help yes and there's a possibility that he may need to be in a 12 and one class which my husband and i really don't think that would work out for him but they the school believes so i guess what type of class um, a 12 and one uh, we don't have that in california what is that so it's basically a classroom um there's 12 students one teacher but these students have learning disabilities these are behavioral issue students these are kids that need help so hold on i'm confused because they're threatening to take away the 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 iep the gen ed yeah wait i don't get yeah. that how can they take away the iep and say he's graduated out of it but then we want to put him in this class exactly that's why we're confused too so they won't remove the iep but just remove that extra help so the extra intervention that he gets i guess mm -hmm. stuff like that no that so means, that requires further exploring mm -hmm. and until he's at grade level i would not remove that okay but they're intentionally it sounds like they're intentionally grading below to keep the support exactly. in for right now so then you also have to know that 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 is a strategy and it's a strategy that we know teachers do in out here in california as well if they don't feel okay. the child is in in la i believe they have to be two grade levels behind to even receive intervention that's a huge mm -hmm. gap so, oh, wow. so if they start making improvement and they're going to close in on that two-year gap, they'll, they'll slow down the marking of the progress on the report card. Yeah. And that's why report cards are just really not a good measure. Right. Is he kind? Is your son kind? He does is he very care, kind. Does he care about his friends? He does. Does he show <laughs> empathy for people in pain? Yes, does he, he does. care for your younger son? He does. Does he care Very about well. you guys? Yes. Okay. He's so loving. And I'm not saying it because he's my son. <laughs> no, I, I've asked these questions to parents before. It's not always a yes. So yeah. that's why I'm saying to you, let's let's keep it in perspective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, keep it in perspective and continue on the path of helping him enjoy and love learning. Mm -hmm. And so that's why picking a book or maybe trapped in a video game is a great book for your family if that is something that everybody, you know, likes. But or it's just you and him read it together or your husband and and he read it together. But something that you guys can continue to work on where he's still progressing on the comprehension side and he's still you're still doing some work on the sounds. And he will get there because four reading levels in a short amount of time is great. Yes. That's great progress. And I would be so proud of him if I were you. Oh, so, yeah. And I know you are. So I think just, you know, and like we said, one thing at a time. But, you know, if if you can find one of those things that you feel might have the most impact, the most bang for your buck right now, I would start there. 
So just to review the strategies that we've talked about. We've talked about choral reading as a family. We've talked about targeted word sounds and word blends. We've talked about games, making it fun and interactive. We've talked about making sure he's still getting literature that is age appropriate. We haven't talked about audiobooks, but that's something we always like recommending to foster independence. Mm-hmm. So if he does want to read a book that's a couple reading levels above him, that's when you put in that support. He still has to have the book in front of him, but he can listen to the story be read and he has to follow mm-hmm. along. Okay. Or that's you if you would rather do mm-hmm. that. I'm just it's just a suggestion for he just just to having him, you know, especially if there's questionable visual processing. Mm-hmm. Um it you know, we always say having the information go in through your eyes and your ears is going to be the best because you're getting it two ways. So the more that you can do that, the better. Okay. Do you see the visual processing stuff that his school is talking to you about? Or you don't? I don't. But visual processing can also come out in math. Yes. Mm-hmm. So let's spend a couple minutes on math. How How is math going? I know we talked a little bit. Skip counting seems to really work. Mm-hmm. It works. It's, yeah, so, it does. Yes. <laughs> so math is good. The only thing he struggles with is the word problems. And okay. it's because that reading component to it and the comprehension. Okay. Let's talk about word problems for a second. Yes. <laughs> Make sure he has mastered the concept when he's just looking at numbers. So I'm going to give an example of what I did yesterday in session with the student. In my student's third grade class, she's a third grader. She had not yet mastered multiplication. And her peers were on division. And her mom's super cool and super trusting of the process. And I said, just give me six sessions to get her skip counting all the numbers. We just have to focus on that. I can't teach division until she's mastered multiplication. So yesterday we finished all the skip counting. And I put division. And I knew printing it out, like printing out the practice problems, she was going to get intimidated by it because she's already got a math mindset of I'm not good at math, which we talked a lot about in the growth mindset episode, which we will also link to the show notes. Just 39. Episode 39. And so I said to her, let's take a big deep breath before we even start, because anytime you level up in any subject, students can start to feel overwhelmed. And one of the things I've been saying a lot to students is you can do difficult things. So we start there by getting their their mindset ready. Then we started doing division, but I showed her how to use skip counting to apply to division. So if you have 12 divided by two, you say the whole problem out loud so that she can hear it and she's seeing it. And then, okay, you're skip counting twos. She knew automatically what the answer was, but it didn't matter. I made her go through the process of skip counting twos because you learn the strategy when things are easy. So even though it's automated for her and she knows the answer instantaneously, nope, show me with your hands, skip count, show me that you land on six. Okay. Then she did a bunch of problems with me. Then I start to ignore her and I do something else, but I'm still sitting there if she needs me to hop in. I still cue her in. I can't hear you. I should be able to hear everything you're doing. And then I printed out the word problems and I knew that that was also going to be a leveling up. But keep in mind, I finished skip counting. We, I introduced division. And now we're already on word problems, which is the last thing in, in a concept is making sure a student can do word problems. Word problems tend to have a couple of things you need to look out for. 
and there's there's ways of mitigating certain things. So let's talk about word problems that only give information that you actually need to solve the problem. So let's use the 12 and 2 example. I have 12 pennies and I want to divide it evenly to two friends. I want to give my pennies evenly to two friends. How many pennies per friend? Well, that's two sentences. Students tend to rush through, read the whole thing without taking a breath for comprehension. You have to stop them. When there is a period, there has to be a moment of conversation or evaluation. I usually say to a student in an example like that, something ridiculous, which is, have you seen a penny before? All students have seen pennies. We're, we're <laughs> cluing into their prior knowledge, which is a really important reading comprehension strategy. Cool. Draw a picture of a penny for me. I just want to, how much is the penny worth? Just having a conversation about the main idea will go leaps and bounds for visualizing what we're actually talking about. Then you go into reading the answer. Okay, so what are we being asked? By the time you've gotten to the answer, most students have figured out the problem. They, most students in that first sentence can predict what they're going to be asked. But we have to stop them and give them that opportunity. Oh, my God. And then they read it and they go, oh, you were so right. You're so good at word problems. <laughs> then they have to write out the math even if they know the answer. Again, we teach concepts when they're easy. So even if it feels extra to them, it is important that they follow all these steps so that when it gets harder and the numbers get bigger, because they will get bigger, they still know what to do. If we let our students do everything automatically, there's not a lot of thought. So it's about creating intentionality with word problems. And then we need to remind all students that an answer is not complete unless there are words associated with it. So if you're being asked in words, you need to answer in words. So they would write six pennies per kid. And that's the complete step. But it's like a five-step process for it's a lot. For a two-sentence word problem. Does this make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I like that okay. idea a lot. <laughs> we'll, we'll do an episode. Rachel will do an episode on, on word problems. I will break it down further. Maybe we'll create a freebie checklist. Yeah. Of, yeah. First, you do this, then you do this. I do know that I've posted about this on my Instagram, this particular strategy, and I've said first, second, third. I remember writing this post. You're going to have to scroll back a little bit, but it's at CapEd Therapy on Instagram. And um, I believe the post has highlights. I want to say it's a yellow piece of paper that I took a picture of, which just goes to show you using color is a powerful memory tool because I'm pretty yeah. sure it was a yellow or goldish piece of paper. But that's how you break down a word problem. You literally break it down by slowing it down. And having silly conversations, one of about things that you know your students going to know about. The, a problem that we did yesterday had hamburgers in it. Cool. What do you like on your hamburger? <laughs> right. Like it's it's about making it meaningful. Let have you been to a restaurant before? She went. Oh, everyone's been to a restaurant. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like not everyone. Not everybody is that lucky to be able to go to a restaurant. But yes. And um, but it's about creating those. It should not be this – it doesn't – word problems do not have to be as hard as our students make them. Students feel like word problems shouldn't have to – that reading should not be a part of math, right? Like they feel like reading should be for history and social studies and, and English, but math should just be numbers. 
Well, the real world application of math are reading problems. It's word problems. You have to, are right. word problems. This is something great that when you're out in the real world, yes, have him write a word problem about an interaction that you just had. Have Ooh, him go I like backwards. That. I actually haven't ever done this with a student, but it's kind of genius. Yeah. Also, we've talked. We talked about it in an episode where we said, like, go to do something in your real life and give him a word problem. Like, go to the supermarket and give him a word problem that you're saying that, like, I'm going to need this many for this. I, I'm going to need one ketchup for this night and one ketchup for this night. How many ketchups do I need? Will you go get that? Mm-hmm. So it's also that's also going to if he does have some struggle with with some visual processing, we all know going to the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Oh, hello. Yeah. That's my weakness. Yep. yep. <laughs> is, is going to be doing the scanning for that is going to be helpful. I think I've right? said on so, the podcast before. Yes, I was going to laugh. Did you call people? Up? I have FaceTime people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I can't find one. Now I've solved my problem entirely. Adam goes to the store. (laughs) But then he calls me and he's like, where's this? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Call Steph. Call someone else. I asked somebody there because I couldn't even tell you which aisle it's in. (laughs) But I I think, honestly, to go back to our point, that if you are giving him word problems and you're not naming them yet, but I would – start to do that and then start naming them and then have meaning hey that was a word problem you just did it yes exactly and then have him start giving you word problems and without writing just saying it or you know whatever that um you know it, it, it can even be like you guys order a pizza and you know you get a piece and you get Very a piece. And, and so how many pieces are we all going to eat together you know things like that you can just bring into your real life that it's going to start feeling easy and comfortable for him. Right. I like that. We will do, we will move it up in the plan to do an episode on word problems. Cause I think, I think this is uh, a universal issue and I think parents are uncomfortable with it too, because I think it was hard for us when we were students because we weren't taught, right? Like we weren't taught how to do this in an effective way. I remember being, Oh my gosh. In my elementary school, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to make my mom listen to this episode because she's going to know where I'm going with this. There was something called the puzzle of the week and it was written by a parent. And I will just say her daughter was not very nice to me. And to this day, I think it's because I was more popular, but looking back, have I ever told you about this <laughs> puzzles of the week? Yes. you. I, I, I think so I know where you're going So every week, this. every student in every grade got this puzzle of the week, which was essentially a logic problem. And it became homework for my parents because there was, and you had to write out, it was like a scientific experiment, how like it was very formulaic, how you would write out your answer and you would get it on Monday and it would be due on Friday. So my brother was two years older than me and my mom was smart. She kept all his puzzles of the week so that when I got to that grade, we would know what to do. Because I remember her calling my uncle. I remember her calling my grandfather. And everybody was working on these puzzles of the week. And I just, it kind of traumatized me a little bit about word problems. Luckily, my mom wasn't like, you figure it out. She was figuring it out. But it became homework for her. Oh, that's hard and unfair. Steph, there was so much about this dynamic that... (laughs) 
<laughs> I could go on and yeah. on about yeah about how I I was really this math did not come intuitively to me ever, and so when I see kids who are struggling, I'm like, oh, I so get it. I so but let me show you because I figured out how to make it easy. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Evelise, for you, I think right now reading the word problem to him. Mm-hmm. Let's take out the struggle of reading it, understanding it, and then doing it. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay if you just read it to him right Agreed. now. Great. You you do the reading. He does the understanding. He does the doing. I like I it. I like it. I like it too. Where were you guys when I was in school? <laughs> we hear that a lot. Yes. We hear that a lot from parents in our practice who they say to us, like, oftentimes – the, uh, one parent can very much identify with their learner more than another parent. And it doesn't mm-hmm. always happen. Sometimes the kid's just very different from both parents, but I would say more often than not. And one of the things yeah. that the parent says to us is, I just really wish this had been an opportunity that I could have had. And I'm like, isn't it great that yeah. your kid's going to have a different experience now? So true. So we hear that so a true. lot. And I have every every confidence that Javier is going to be just fine. And you got to send us an email picture of him. We need to see the whole family so we know who we're talking about. Yes, absolutely. Before we sign off, are there any last questions that you have? No, that's it. This was awesome. I thank you guys so much. Our pleasure. Oh, our pleasure. Thanks for being a fan and being a smarty. Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah, and if, if if anyone else is interested in doing an on-air coaching call, please don't hesitate. We really, Steph and I are really enjoying doing them right now. So yeah, it's, it's fun. really fun for us. <laughs> Thanks, Evelise, for being here. Thank you, guys. Evelise, thank you so much for joining us today on Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast. We gave you a lot to think about, and we hope you take it to heart when we say to only focus on one strategy at a time. We love the idea of theming your month. So maybe March will be the month of word problems, and April will be the month of choral reading. Whatever you choose to do, remember the goodness about Javier, and remember what we said. He's going to grow into an amazing adult. If you are interested in joining us on air, email us at Rachel and Steph at LearnSmarterPodcast.com. If you're interested in working with us or having us work with your learner, yes, we work virtually, but definitely reach out to us if you're in the Los Angeles area as well so that we can get that set up. We are always hiring, so if you'd be interested in joining CAP Educational Therapy Group in Beverly Hills or my ed therapist in Redondo Beach, Email us as well. Have a great week, Smarties.